promised land, just taken Jericho, and then in Ai, they were defeated, and many of the Israeli or Hebrew men were killed in battle, and they were sent running. Joshua cried out to the Lord. We know the story that there was sin in the camp because of Achan's sin and taking that which had been set apart for God, taking some of that for himself. God's judgment came upon Israel. But at that point, Joshua, the leader, didn't understand all that. He didn't know that. And he's crying out to God in verse number 7 of chapter 7. He says, Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. New Living Translation says, Then Joshua cried out, Sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. This was spoken in ignorance because Joshua did not understand that God's favor had not left Israel and his blessing had not been taken off of them, but that there was sin that needed to be dealt with. I'm not going to talk about the sin. I'm not going to talk about the issue of Achan today. But very briefly, I want to talk about this idea of being content to stay on the other side. Being content in the wilderness. The other side of Jordan was the wilderness. The side that they were on when Joshua cried out was the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. Things got tough. He said, why couldn't we have been content to stay on the other side? And I want to talk about today about being content in the wilderness. And if you think I'm talking about you ought to be content being in the wilderness, you're mistaken because God's people should not be content in the wilderness. You should not be content on the other side of the Jordan when God has promises and provision available for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word and for the promises that are in there that pertain to us that are so powerful, Lord Jesus. We thank you, dear God, for every child of God that has come to worship you and lift you up today. We pray that they would be strengthened, Lord God, receive encouragement, be uplifted through the power of the Spirit. We ask these blessings, Lord God, and that you would confirm your word with signs following in the house of the Lord today. We ask these things in the precious name that's above all names, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's just clap our hands to the Lord one more time before we're seated, because he's a great God. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. As we studied uh, uh, last month and the month of October about fit for life, that God's plan is for us to live the abundant life or life in all of its fullness. That means very simply that God did not plan for you just to barely get by. A skin of the teeth mentality was not in God's plan. In fact, God wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be victorious. God's plan is for Christians to be overflowing with victory and overflowing with joy. How many believe that? All right, well, I'm going to preach today until you actually believe it. Because God's plan is for you to be overflowing with victory. See, so that it splashes off on other people. So that it affects other people. So that other people get encouraged and other people get hope. Amen? 
David said it this way. He said, my cup runneth over. I have more than enough. God's blessings are profuse. God's mercy is abundant and overwhelming. And I've got the joy of the Lord flowing over in my heart. I've got victory flowing in my heart. I don't have just enough to get by. I'm not just struggling through and trying to make it as a Christian. But my cup is running over. Amen. It's time to keep a big vision of what God's going to do for your life. And great expectations of what God is going to do for you. And not accept the devil's negative picture, of the devil's negative report of how your life is going to unfold. But I challenge you through the Word of God and by the authority as a preacher of the gospel, amen, to keep the big picture, keep a big vision in front of you, and let the joy of the Lord overflow in your life. I saw the scripture this week. It's pretty awesome in Psalms 35, 27. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Now, listen carefully. This is the part I want you to hear. It says, yea, let them say continually. Everybody say continually. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. It says, let the people say all the time. Let them go on around declaring, the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Why in the world, psalmist, do you want us to say this over and over again? Why did you want the people of Israel to walk around and every once in a while, like they got Tourette syndrome or something, just begin to shout out, Let the Lord be magnified, which delighteth in the prosperity of his servants. Why did you want them to keep saying that in their lives? The reason is, is when you hear something enough, and if you say something enough, then you'll begin to believe it. This is one thing I want you to notice in the Word of God. He didn't say just say that it's a fact that the Lord delighteth in the prosperity of His servants. But He said, I want you to go around talking about that. I want you to go around speaking that. I want you to go around declaring that. Because if you speak it long enough, if you declare it long enough, and saints of God, if you hear it enough times, you're going to begin to believe and get it inside of you. Amen? If you keep saying it, it's going to get inside of you. And if you hear it enough, You're going to begin to believe it. Put your hands together. Let him say continually, let God be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God wants you to know that. God wants you to understand that he is excited when you prosper. It makes God feel good when you get blessed. God wants to bless you. Can you say amen? I said, God wants you to be blessed. God wants provision. God wants you to enjoy this life. God wants you to experience fullness or abundance of life. But the problem is you've got to believe it. It's not enough for me just to say it, and it's not enough for it just to be in the Word of God. But you have got to get the right mentality to receive God's blessings in your life. Amen? You've got to get the right mentality of believing that God wants to bless you in order to receive the blessings that God has for you. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's a frame of mind. It's called faith. I said it's called faith. Don't be afraid of what I'm going to preach to you today. It's the truth, and it's from the Word of God. Some of you are so content with where you are and so content with your position and condition in life, but the Lord is wanting to challenge you to have faith today and begin to believe and expect for greater things. Amen? You're a child of God. He loves you. He bought you with a price, and it makes Him happy to bless you. 
Come on, while I'm preaching, I want you to talk back to me today. Because you need to mix some faith with what I'm saying. You need to give an amen which says, let it be unto me. Let it be unto me. God's got a blessing for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless your finances. God wants to bless your family. God wants you to bless your career. God wants to bless your business. God wants to bless your witness. God wants to bless you, and you need to put the amen behind it and mix some faith with the word of the Lord today. Because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And anybody that ever received a miracle or a blessing from Jesus Christ had to manifest faith and believe that it was going to happen. Somewhere along the way, Church of the Living God, if you're going to get the blessings that God has for you, and if Life Church is going to step into our destiny, we're going to have to start talking and believing that God is going to do great things. Amen? There are a lot of great big churches around the world today that are influencing a number of people. And there's a lot of different characteristics that make up some. Some of them are Sunday school driven. Some of them are driven by small groups. Some of them do bus ministry. Some of them do television ministry. A wide variety and array of ways that they make their church grow. But one thing all of them have in common is somewhere in the middle of it all, there's some people that believe this church is going to grow. God's going to give us influence. God's going to expand our territories because without faith, it's impossible to please God. This works in the spiritual and this works in the secular as well. Hey, you don't even have to have the Holy Ghost to understand this concept. You think Bill Gates would be a billionaire today if he went around thinking his, his ideas would never work? If he went around thinking, I'm going to stay in a mobile home the rest of my life? If he went around thinking, I'm going to drive an old car the rest of my life? If he went around thinking, this is never going to work? I promise you, even in the secular realm, even in the physical sense, it takes confidence and faith and believing that it's going to happen. This is something that works in the economy of God, and it's going to work in the kingdom of God, and it's going to work in your spiritual life. Some of you have been in the mully grubs too long. Some of you have been struggling with the same thing too long. And God wants to tell you today, God wants to get the word across to you today, get the right mindset, believe that. God wants to bless you. So easy just to settle. To settle. Why? This is who I am. This is what I am. This is where I'm going to be. This is my lot in life. But God blesses and honors and gives favor to those that are constantly believing for great things from God. I've heard it before. It's kind of the Christianity speak today about the concept of a new season. But I believe that the Spirit of the Lord wants to speak about this today, that there is better health coming for somebody. That it's a time where your marriage is going to be improved. It's not going to stay the same way that it was. It's a time where you're going to finally defeat this addiction that's been destructive in your life. You're going to overcome these self-defeating attitudes. It's about time for somebody to become debt-free. Amen? To be no more in defeat and no longer mediocre. Amen? It's time for some of you to stop borrowing and start lending. It's time of you for some of you to stop renting and start owning. It's time for you to step up and receive what God has for you and believe that God's going to... Come on. It's time for you to speak it. After all, God has pleasure in our success. You've got to believe it. You've got to speak it. You've got to get it inside of you. Be obedient to God and release your faith. 
release your faith and keep releasing your faith. You say, Brother Brown, I've been releasing so much faith that I'm completely depleted. No, come on, just pray and believe and get in church and hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to fill your tank today, okay? The word of God's going to fill your tank so you can release some more faith. And you keep releasing it. You keep believing. You keep your attitude right. You keep your mindset right. And watch out. God has a new season of blessing. God has a new season of health and happiness available for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, here's this, we're reading in Scripture, this concept of being content on the other side. Joshua's saying here, of course, obviously, in a few minutes, in a few days, he's like, why did I ever say that? That was the dumbest thing I've ever said. But he said, why couldn't we just have been content on the other side of Jordan? Here we've come into the promised land, and we're struggling with some things in the promised land. Why could not we have been content on the other side? Now, here, let's think about how ridiculous that would be. God's chosen people. He called them out of bondage. He gave a promise to them hundreds of years previous to their forefathers that I'm going to send you a land that's all yours. You're going to move into houses you didn't build. You're going to own property. You're going to eat from crops that you didn't plant. I'm going to bless you. And for the last 40 years, they have been wandering in the wilderness. Everybody say wilderness. In the wilderness. You know what? They had no barns in the wilderness. That means they had no bank accounts in the wilderness. They had no store or provision. They had to ration things in the wilderness. They didn't own property in the wilderness. They were wandering. They couldn't build fences and houses. They were just always on the move, always on the move in the wilderness. And Joshua says here, why couldn't we have been content in the wilderness? Can you imagine if the children of Israel had been content to stay on the other side of Jordan, to stay in the wilderness? The reason is God's whole plan for his people, for the Hebrew people, was fulfilled in the promised land. Because in the promised land was where Jerusalem was. Amen? In the promised land was where Jesus was born. In the promised land is where all the blessings and the provision, the prophecies were fulfilled. In Israel. So all of these unfulfilled prophecies would remain unfulfilled if they stayed in the wilderness. And if they had been content to stay on the other side of Jordan, they would never have experienced all that God had planned for them. All, can you imagine all that they would have missed if they had just been content to stay on the other side, to stay in the wilderness? See, the promised land is a land where they own property. The promised land is a land where they had barns and they filled up the barns and they had enough for this year and next year and the following year. They had enough backed up for times of famine. They had enough for, to leave their children. See, they weren't wandering anymore. They weren't just rationing out uh, manna and uh, from day to day and, uh, and water from a rock, but they had the provision and everything that they needed in the promised land. The promised land in comparison to the wilderness, there is no comparison to the wilderness. Uh, but some of them, no doubt, would have been content to stay in the wilderness when the promised land was available. But can't you see that as foolish? Are you with me? Is that foolish or what? Here's the promised land. Wow, look at it. I've been thinking about it, been dreaming about it, been hoping, been watching other people on reality TV as they live in the promised land. And here I am, I'm in the wilderness. But I'm happy in the wilderness. Don't have anything to speak of. I'm just going from week to week, day to day, just subsisting, just surviving. Struggling with addiction, struggling with problems, struggling with issues in my life. But I see these people. Look at God's people. They're, they're in the promised land. But you know what? I think I'll just stay here because I'm content here in the wilderness. I'm content to continue struggling. 
I'm content to continue to be oppressed. I'm content to just stay here with my habits. I'm content to still be broke and in debt. I'm content to still be sick and lacking. This is the wilderness mentality, those that are content in the wilderness. And if you've been in the wilderness long enough, you can begin to develop a wilderness mentality. And that's what I'm preaching about today. Not the fact that you may be in the wilderness, because all of us have to go through the wilderness. But the idea is God never intended for you to stay in the wilderness. But if you get a wilderness mentality, you will stay in the wilderness and you'll be content on this side of the promised land. But I'm talking to God's He called you by his name. He died on a cross and shed his blood so he could put his name on your forehead, the name of Jesus Christ. And when he bought you with a price, you are as precious to him as any Hebrew believer back in the Old Testament. And all the promises that God has given to the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, those promises are available for God's people today. And I promise you that if you will understand that I need to get the right mindset, I've got to get the right mentality. I can't be content in the wilderness, but I've got to look up and expect good things from God. See, I think we can all agree and concur that God's plan was for them to experience the wilderness, which was a learning experience, but it was never God's intention that His children become content to stay in the wilderness. Look at me right now, because I'm getting ready to preach to you. I'm trying to do it right now. That God never intended for you to become content in the wilderness. Yeah, I've got to go through wilderness times. I've got to go through times of want and lack. I've got to go through times of uh, and experiences that I learn, learning experiences where I learn to trust God. But God never intended for you to make that your uh, eventual domain. God never intended for you to set up camp and establish yourself as a vagabond wandering in the wilderness. God's plan for you includes crossing over. Don't be content to stay on that side. I said don't be content to stay on that side, but begin to believe God for greater things. The word gospel in the New Testament is translated in common English as good news. Everybody say good news. Good news. The New Testament is good news. How many are glad to hear good news? Ever pick up the telephone? Hey, who's this? They say, hey, I got bad news. It's like, your heart sinks. But but how about when somebody says, hey, I've got good news? Before you even hear what they say, you already start feeling better, don't you? Because you know good news is going to warm the heart. Good news is going to make you feel good. Good news is going to make you happy. The New Testament, the Bible, the message of Jesus Christ is good news. In fact, if you look that word up, it appears 101 times in the New Testament. Gospel, good news, good news, good news. The Bible, this right here is good news, everybody. This Bible is good news, good news. And the good news is the message of the church is good news. And the good news is that Jesus made salvation available and uh, that we don't have to go to hell and we don't have to live as a prisoner to our sinful nature. But also the good news is, is that even though I don't know if any of you in here are ethnic Jews are from a Hebrew background. Probably none of us. But we can tap into the promises that God gave to the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, the seed of Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going to have more flocks than anybody else. You're going to have more provision than anybody else. I'm going to bless you because you found favor in my sight. Hallelujah. You're a man of faith and you found favor in my sight and I'm going to bless you. And God blessed Abraham with spiritual blessings but also with physical blessings as well. 
well. And you look at men of God that pleased God in the Old Testament, and God always confirmed it or put his seal on it with his blessings. Amen. Because God blesses his people. Amen. And God wants us to understand that we can tap into the promises of God. I know you're not accepting this, but I'm telling you it's the truth. And somebody better hear the word of the Lord today because God wants you to step into your provision, into your promises. of the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, you're grafted into the vine of Father Abraham. You have the promises of Father Abraham. The promise to the Hebrews in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, these promises were given while they were wandering in the wilderness. And these promises were great news for them, men that had no property and men that had no stores and men that were hand to mouth, men that were just living day to day. These promises were given to them while they were wandering in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 28.1 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God by keeping all the commandments I am giving you today, the Lord your God will exalt you above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in your towns. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed with many children. You'll be blessed with productive fields. You will be blessed with fertile herds and flocks. You will be blessed with baskets overflowing with fruit and with kneading bowls filled with bread. You will be blessed wherever you go, both in coming and going. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven directions. The Lord will bless everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God God will bless you in the land He is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, the Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised to do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. Hey, guess what? It goes on. It says the Lord will give you an abundance of good things in the land He swore to give your ancestors. He's going to give you numerous children. He's going to give you numerous livestock. He's going to give you abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at just the right time from His rich treasury in heaven to bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will Always have the upper hand. You must not turn away from any of the commandments I'm giving you today to follow other gods and worship them, and I will bless you. Come on, put your hands together. This is the word of the Lord. God made a promise to his people. How many know that when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promise? There's some people you can't trust them when they tell you they're going to do something. But God's promises are bankable. God's God's promises are worth real currency. Amen. You can trust in the promises of God. And he said, if you will obey me fully, if you'll submit and surrender to me fully, watch out. I'm going to exalt you. You will experience blessings. I love it. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed in your fields. You'll be blessed in your blessed in your flocks. I'm going to send rain at just the right time to water what it is that you've been working on. I'm going to bless your labors. I'm going to bless your efforts. I'm going to give you numerous children. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you numerous crops. I'm going to give you lots of land. You're going to be blessed. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. He said, I'm going to bless you. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you obey, I will bless you. I'll send blessings. 
blessing on your family. I'll bless your bank accounts. I'll bless everything that you put your hand to. I'll bless your career. I'll bless your jobs. I'm going to bless you in every way. Hallelujah. You're going to be the head, not the tail. You're going to be the lender, not the borrower. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to lend somebody 100000 bucks? Love that. I wish you could come and say, Pastor, got good credit, got the paper signed up. Would you lend me 100000 bucks? I'm cool. Here it is. Because you know what? If I can lend 100000 bucks, that means somewhere in my barns, I got at least a million, or I'm not going to cut loose a hundred thousand for you. The reality is what God is saying is you're going to have enough in your storehouse. You're going to have enough provision that you don't have to go borrow money when you buy a car. You don't have to ask money of some. This is God's plan. Have you ever noticed? Now I don't want to. I don't want to say anything inappropriate here. But have you ever noticed that oftentimes, even in our society today, that people of a Jewish background are very successful in business, very successful, money in the bank. Lender, so forth, so on, so on. Amen? You know why? Because they believe what the Word of God says. It's been put into them since they were kids. And I'm telling you that you have the same promises that God gave to Father Abraham. You need to start expecting it. You need to start believing it. You say, I may not be an ethnic Jew. I may be an ethnic Caucasian. Or I may be an ethnic African American or Asian American. Or I may be from, from uh, uh, an Arab country ethnically. But you know what? Because of the blood of Jesus and because of the name of Jesus, I'm tapped into Father Abraham's promises. And I'm walking around with my head back and my shoulders squares, not arrogantly, but with expectation that you know what God promised it to me. Hallelujah. Our young people don't need to struggle. Our young people don't need to expect a life of mediocrity, but we need to put it into them. You're smart enough. God loves you. God's promised it to you. And you're going over the top in Jesus' name. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. You're going to be the head, not the tail going to be blessed and not cursed. Notice this promise required obedience. Putting God first and letting Him have control and direction in your life. The rest of the chapter, chapter 28 says now, but if you don't obey, it gets pretty ugly then. Because when you're God's children, you're either one or the other. You either are fully obeying or you're partially obeying, which is called disobedience. You're on one side or the other. You're either living in God's blessings or you're living under God's curse. Somebody should have told you that before you signed the dotted line, huh? You know what? You're going to live for God. You're going to be a child of God. You're going to take His name on you. Then you're a child of God. And you can either live in fullness of blessing or you can live under a curse. It has to do with whether you're willing to obey and submit to the Lord. I'm telling you right now, if you want God's blessings on your life, fully obey Him and begin to get a mindset and expect that the blessings are coming my way. And watch out because God is going to bless you. Wherever there is disobedience or just partial obedience you can be assured that you are living below your means. That means if there's some things that God has spoken to you about or the Word of God has spoken to you about, and you're like hedging on Him, then you're holding off. You're delaying His provision. You're delaying everything that God has uh, laid out for your life. But the moment you say, okay, God, 
I'm tired of doing my own thing. I'm tired of hedging. I'm tired of resisting. I want to be 100% full bore in submission and obedience to you. And God will begin to bless your life. And we call this repentance. That means turning it all over to God. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I made mistakes. But God, I'm turning it all over to you. And then God says, okay, now I can bless you. I've been having to chastise you in the meantime because I've been trying to bring you to repentance. But now that you've given it all to me, now I can bless you. And he begins to send it your way. He begins to send it your way. That's why repentance is so important. You need to lay some things down and get in line with God's word and submit to God's word. And God's blessings are going to begin to flow in your life. Amen. I, I, look at, I look at Simon. This is an awesome example of, here of somebody who knew God, who was a believer, but for years he had, for whatever reason, was struggling with things and had disobedience. But when he finally said, okay, God, it's all yours, everything. I'm wide open. It's all, it's all open. I, I'm, I'm asking you. And then all of a sudden God began to bring blessings into his life immediately. I just believe those blessings were waiting there the whole time. They were just waiting waiting, waiting for the right time, waiting for you to, to give it to the Lord. And, and, and within a year, now he's going to Fuller Theological Seminary. God's given him a beautiful wife. They're expecting a baby. God is blessing them. God's blessing their life. You know why? It's because of obedience, surrender, and submitting to God. But not only that, he's got a ministry, and he's ministering to other people. As long as you hold back and you hedge on God, you can sit and watch the parade go by and live beneath your means if you're content to stay in the wilderness. But if you want to get out of the wilderness, you need to say, God, it's 100%. I'm following your pathway. I'm living for you. Amen? I'm ready to get on the bus. I'm ready to climb in and go with you, Lord. I want your blessings in my life. If I've got issues in my life that are creating disobedience, I better not delay obeying God. If I've got the wrong attitudes, God cleanse me. I want to obey you. See, sometimes we look at God's commandments and and the Word of God and we're like, man, God's just holding back all these things from me. I can't have Jack Daniel. I can't have Jim Bean. I can't hang out at the honky-tonk and do the boot-scooting boogie. And look at me. I'm so miserable. I can't do all this stuff. God's not trying to hold anything back from you. God's trying to get some things into your hands. And the only way He can do it is to get you to submit to His work. My God in heaven. And say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to submit and surrender. Hallelujah. God's commandments are not grievous. They're not a yoke to destroy you. God's not holding anything back from you. He's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to get more to you. And the good news is God's blessings are waiting just to overtake you. And the Hebrew people, the Old Testament, had no problem believing this. And even today, there is God's favor noticeably. The sad danger is as Christians, you don't understand this, who maybe have been raised up in a poor me, poor me Pentecostal attitude mindset, is that sometimes we can live below our means and we can be content in the wilderness just accepting our problems, just accepting our weaknesses, just accepting our shortcomings, just accepting our condition. But I'm telling you, I want you to listen to me right now. It is time. It is a new season. You don't need to stay where you are. And you don't need to keep living like you are. 
You need to get an attitude that says, this is where I am right now, but this is not where I'm staying. Hey, I'm just temporarily here. This is who I am right now. This is what I've got right now. But you mark it down. You rest assured that I'm not plotting here. I'm not squatting here. I haven't stopped here. I'm just on a journey. I'm just passing through. This is where I am, but this is not who I am. This is where I am, but this is not where I am staying. Amen? In life, you will never rise higher than you're thinking. You'll never get any higher than your thinking. And, and you say, Pastor Brown, are you, are you a prosperity preacher today? I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm also not a poverty preacher. Hallelujah. You look in the Word of God. Amen. You look in the Word of God, and there is God's blessings. Proverbs 13 and 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. It says, A good man leaves an inheritance that lasts all the way for his grandkids. For his kids and his grandkids. And I'm not talking about just an inheritance of good memories. But I'm talking about an inheritance in the bank account, the Word of God says. He leaves an inheritance. God's will and His favor, amen, is to bless His children. I, I need to hear some amens right now. There are some people that believe you've got to be poor in order to be holy. And because of that, they live a life of low expectations. And they're like, in the wilderness, all I got is enough for today. Go out and get my manna. Man, better, better get out there before it melts. Get enough for today. And Lord, I hope you provide tomorrow. It's awesome living like that because it teaches you to trust God. But the flip side is God doesn't want you to live day to day the rest of your life. God's plan is for you to move into the promised land. God doesn't want you to live week to week and not have, enough, have more week than you have paycheck. And you're, it comes Monday and you're eating crackers because... You spin it up during the week. God's plan is for His provision and blessing to be unfolded in your life as you obey Him, as you live for Him. Amen. There, there's a mindset that's necessary in the wilderness, but God's plan is for fatness and for plenty. I'm preaching this to you, and I'm preaching it to myself. We've got to get up. We've got to start act like, acting like a change is coming. We've got to start talking it and start living it and start looking like it. You need to get up and dress nice. Don't walk out of the house all sloppy looking. Say, what? I'm not a banker. I'm not a wealthy person. I'm not someone to be looked up to. You know what? I'm not acting for where I am, but I need to start acting for where I'm going. Walk with your head up and your shoulders back. Young people, you need to expect God's blessings in your life. Expect to get a good job and begin to pursue after it and be the best at everything that you See, the problem is some people, they're like, man, I'm just working in a hardware store. And, and that's not a very prestigious job. I wouldn't hardly be considered a professional working in a hardware store. So they walk around all slouch, slouchy and just do a half job, halfway job at the workplace. And they wonder why they never get ahead. The deal is the people that get ahead are the people that start out in the hardware store acting like they're running a bank. Start out in a hardware store acting like they're working in a, in a big office building in a metro area. I promise you, you see these people that have their mind on the future. They have their mind on where they say, this is where I am right now, but it's not where I'm staying. And they purport themselves that, that way. It shows in their demeanor. It shows in their work habits. It shows in the way that they live. And I'm telling you, some of you need to get up from where you are and say, I'm not staying here. This is not God's plan. And you may say, well, 
This is the way my parents lived, and this is the way my grandparents lived. We just kind of struggle along. This is who we are. That's not who you are. You are a child of God, and you can be the first one. You can be the first one to step on up out of that, step on up out of that lack, step on up out of that poverty and that mindset and that mentality. I love it. I love it. I love it when I see somebody who raised in a family that just kind of keeps them down under the thumb, but there's something inside of them that says, this is not who I am. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to do something in this world, and they Report themselves and they act in that way. Hallelujah. I'm not acting for where I am, but I'm acting for where I'm going. My family may have always struggled, may have always been poor. I may come from a background of alcoholics, but I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be the first one because God favored me with his salvation, favored me with his blessing. And if he can do that for me, then he can also bless me with the provisions that he has promised. Hallelujah. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head, all your gates. One of the most awesome stories in Scripture is the story Jesus told about the prodigal son. And really it was the father who was prodigal because prodigal extravagant, overboard. And when the son came back, the father said to the servants, Matthew 15:22 or Luke, I'm sorry, 15:22, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening in the pen. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Notice the father's attitude. Don't just get that old robe I used to wear that kind of needs some repairs, kind of frayed on the bottom. Go get the best, get a brand, the best robe. That I got. This is the attitude of the Father toward the Son. You know, the Father is my God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son represents those of us that have been wandering in sin, and we come back to Jesus. We're like, look, I made a mess of my life. I got messed up on drugs. I got messed up on alcohol. I spent up a lot of money. I blew my life. But come back into the house of the Father, and the Father said, hey, my son's back. Go get the best robe. And while you're at it, I got one calf that's my prize. We've been feeding it a lot of extra grain. That's what the word fatted means. It means given a lot of extra grain so that it can be like the plumpest and the most luscious and the most uh, 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 the most savoroso of the of the calves that that would be that would be uh, uh, offered and 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 and, and uh, turned into a feast. Go kill the fatted calf. Don't just get any of the calves. Bring in the fatted calf. See, the father's mindset, the father's attitude. When you come back, I'm ready to bless you. I'm ready to give you the fatted calf. And that's the mentality that we've got to get. See, our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That doesn't mean he owns a thousand cattle. That means he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That means he's got a lot of calves and cattle and fatted calves available for us. And we need to get the mentality that says, Father, you brought me back into the kingdom. You put your favor on my life. And, Lord, I'm expecting and believing and grateful that you're going to kill the fatted calf. Let's check it out. Not everybody has a fatted calf attitude. As in Luke chapter 15, verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Notice his attitude. 
You gave him a fatted calf, and you won't even give me a skinny goat. That's what, that's what it, uh, some of the translations. You didn't even give me a skinny goat, and you gave my brother a fatted calf. See, the deal is you either have a fatted calf or a skinny goat attitude. You're all sons of Jesus, sons and daughters of the Lord, but you're either going to have a fatted calf or a skinny goat attitude. What's your expectations from the Lord? Do you want a fatted calf, or do you want to be somebody with a skinny goat attitude? If you're somebody that goes around, I can't afford it. I'm never going to get the victory. I've struggled with this. I'm always going to struggle with this. This is just who I am. This is just what I am. I can't. I don't think I'll ever get a raise. I'm going to work this job the rest of my life. Hey, skinny goat, you need to change your attitude. You're a child of God. You know, we all get the skinny goat attitude sometimes. I'm thankful that God blessed us with a house. We're so, uh, so in awe how God did that for us. And uh, we, we love our house. And I told my wife, I said, hey, we're going to live in this house the rest of our life. And she looked at me and said, skinny goat? Now, she didn't say that, but that's what she communicated. Hey, this is a nice house. It's got a 1,000 square feet, and I believe God's got something better for us someday. You've got to believe that. You talk that because if I have that skinny goat attitude, then I won't even get the skinny goat. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time to start believing. It's time to start expecting. Amen. I'm not talking about being miserable or being unreasonable, but I'm talking about being happy with what you have, but begin speaking that God is going to bless me. It's time for God. Some of you may feel like you're too old. Some of you may feel like too much water's passed under the bridge, but I'm challenging you to get a fatted calf mindset and attitude. Clap your hands to the Lord. Because you may be down and out, and you may be struggling with some issues and struggling with some things in your life. But when I come around, you say, well, Pastor, I believe things are going to get better. God's help. I just believe I'm going to get a raise. I tried out for a job. I believe I'm going to get that job. Well, you didn't get that job. Oh, oh God's not going to bless you. No, he's going to give me a better job. I'm going to be able to give more than I've ever been able to give to the church before in this next year. Fatted calf. See, that's the attitude I like. That says God. That's the attitude that God likes because he says, I can bless you now. I can pour out blessings on your life. You may be my child, but if you've got an attitude, a skinny goat attitude, then you'll never get everything that God has prepared for you. But if you can start talking it and believing it and say, God, I thank you for what you've done for me, but I'm believing that things are going to get better. I believe your blessings are going to pursue after me. I'm waking up every morning saying, this is the day I'm going to get that client that's going to put me over the top. This is the day I'm going to come in contact with that person who's going to help me get that house. This is the day. Come on, somebody. If you're going to get what God has promised for you, you've got to start believing. You've got to start expecting it. You've got to start speaking it. I don't think I'll ever get out of debt. I don't think I'll be able to send my kids to college. Skinny goat. I don't think it's going to work out. I think I'm getting ready to lose my job. I think things are going to get worse. God's blessings are coming my direction. Good things are going to happen. I'm going to add staff. See, sometimes things get tight around church here financially. I'm like, oh, are we going to be able to add more staff? Are we going to be able to keep the staff even that we have on? Things are a little tight. But you know what a fatted calf attitude says? We're going to add more staff. 
It's going to happen. In the next year, we're going to add more staff on. God's going to enable us at Life Church to build that building. We're not going to stay in this building, but we're going to move on. That's a fatted calf attitude because we're God's children. We've got God's favor and God's blessing and His name upon us. But we need to start expecting it. Been around people before and they're like, well, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. You're setting limits for your life. You don't have to announce it to the world. Maybe you can't afford it right now. But don't talk like that. Start believing it after. I'll give you an example. My, my father and I, we love to play golf together. And uh, when, we were, when I was with him there and I was in my 20s, we'd play golf together. There's one thing he did that made me so mad every single time. We would go play golf and they would pair us with a couple of people that we didn't know. Well, met with some folks to golf that we hadn't played golf and immediately my dad's got to give a full disclosure of how miserable and terrible and horrible of a golfer that he is oh I'm terrible just I'm miserable and I don't know if he thinks that the reverse psychology is going to work for him he just sets the expectation so low that when he swings the club and doesn't knock somebody's head off they're like hey this guy is better than I expected I don't know if that's his mindset, but all I noticed is that when he says that, he usually lives out what he said. And I started saying, Dad, and I both know that we're not scratch golf. We're not going to play on the pro circuit. But my Lord, why would you come out and say that right off the bat? That I'm a miserable, I'm a terrible golfer. You're going to end up having a horrible game. And so he started making fun of me. He said, oh, no, I'm one of the greatest golfers that's ever played the game. Just watch my swing, son. But the reality is, I know it's funny, it's a funny story, but the reality is you usually live out what you say. So when I came out there, I'm not the greatest golfer, but I'm not going to tell you that. You can find out for yourself if you watch. But I'm going to talk up what I believe. I believe today's going to be a good day. I believe I'm going to do well today. That's just one silly example. But in life, if I go around always declaring and projecting to the world that I'm miserable and I'm just struggling, I'm just making it by, I can't barely make it. Get that out of your mouth. Quit poor-mouthing yourself. Because as long as you poor-mouth, you'll live, have a poor life. Amen? Remember, God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His people. God takes pleasure in your success. God loves it when you come up out of the gutter. God loves it when you come up out of the hood and He can bless you. Amen? God loves it when you come up out of a poor situation and He can bless you. We're going to build a new building. And we've got to get the fatted calf mentality. We're not going to be irresponsible and go into a ton of debt, but we're going to be full of faith. And we're going to expect great things from God. God wants us to move on up. He wants to bless us. God wants you to move on up. God wants to bless you. Somebody like, how are we going to pay for this building? I hope some wealthy person comes along and gives us a big donation. I'm like, man, why are you thinking like that? You know what I'm thinking? I pray that God comes along and blesses me so big that I can give the big donation. I want God to bless me so I can bless others. Hope God brings somebody wealthy along to our church so they can put this bill skinny goat. Say, God's going to bless me. Watch and see what I'm going to do. You watch and see what God's going to enable me to do. Well, that's the mindset. I've seen it work. I've seen it work in churches. I've seen it work in individuals' lives. Now, don't think you're going to disobey God and get His favor. 
Don't think you're going to do your own thing and say, okay, God, just bless me here on the side. God's like, you're on your own. Amen? So if you want God's favor and blessing, you obey the Lord, and you expect it, and you begin to speak it, and you begin to anticipate it, and get that fatted calf mentality. God doesn't want his people to remain in bondage. He doesn't want you to remain as a slave to whatever you've been a slave to before. In the book of Exodus, chapter 21 and 2, it says, If thou buy a Hebrew slave, six years he shall serve. I talked about this before we started. And in the seventh year, he shall go out free for nothing. Doesn't have to pay a dime. It's free on the seventh year. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I'm not going to go out free. Then his master shall bring him out to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or the doorpost. His master shall bore through his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Here's the point with the seven-year law. Every seven years, any slave or servant or indentured servant had a legal right to be free. The point is, God never intended for his people to continually remain in bondage. Whether it was bondage to debt, whether it was bondage to depression, whether it's in bondage to sickness, whatever it is, God never intended for you to remain. He put a provision even in his law in the Old Testament that on the seventh year, every slave would be set free. But even though they had a legal right to be free, there was a provision for those who were comfortable being a slave, satisfied being a slave, and chose to remain as slave because they had a slave mentality. They were content as slave. They were content in the wilderness. God says there's a provision for you. You can be a son and still be a slave. You can be a child of God and still stay on the wilderness. You can be a son and feast on skinny goat. But I'm telling you, God's plan is for you to be set free. God's plan is for the chains to fall off of you. God's plan is for you to step in to the promises that he has for you. But I'm telling you today, some of us have a slave mentality. And we want to stay in our current condition. God says, get ready. Get on up. Get on out. It's a new season. It's the seventh year. It's a time for you to be released. Dance, children, dance. Today is the day of Jubilee. You don't have to be in bondage to debt. You don't have to be in bondage to uh, uh, bad conditions on the workplace. You don't have to be in bondage to your situation. But you can lift up your head and expect and believe. Say, but pastor, I don't deserve anything better. I'm not smart enough to do anything better or have anything better. Skinny goat mentality. Get up and say, I believe that I'm a child of God, and He's going to bless me so I can be a blessing. A friend of mine was traveling a few weeks ago, traveling uh, through Louisiana and Mississippi, and uh, he stopped. It was late at night, probably 11 o'clock, 10, 30, 11. Stopped in a city called Moss Bluff, Mississippi. In Moss Bluff, he stopped and went in and purchased a hotel room. His two children were asleep. They drove around the back. They got out of the automobile, took the sleeping kids in, laid them on the bed, went in and turned on the light. And in the bathroom, I don't know how to say this, appeared as if somebody had already used the restroom. color of the water, the dark Somebody's already used the restroom. I'm going to stay in this hotel. Somebody's already used the restroom. Goes up to the front and says to the lady, ma'am, I need to check out of this room. 
He said, is there a problem? He said, yeah, somebody's already been in there. He said, uh, what do you mean? Can you please tell me why you've got the impression of the bed? Said, no, the beds were fine. But I went into the restroom, and it looked like someone had already used the restroom in that bathroom. She said, oh, sir, don't worry about that. She said, that's just moss bluff water. She said, we have brown water. Brown water? Yeah. I mean, you, you drink brown? Yeah. Brown water bottle. Moss Bluff has this problem. There's some, some issue or problem. The water comes out of the spigot into the glass of brown. And he's like scratching it. My friend scratched it. He said, I looked at that lady and said, Tell me you're satisfied with brown water? You're just going to settle in Moss Bluff? You folks are just going to settle for brown? He checked it on the Internet. It's true. It's a, it's a real issue there. They've got brown water. But my friend said, guess what? I didn't go back to my room and say, well, I guess i got to settle for brown water. He said, I got my family back in the car. I got my money back, and I went down the road a little further because I just decided I wasn't going to settle for brown water. Let me tell you guys something. Some of you are settling for brown water. You've just been doing it so long. You've been drinking it your whole life. You've been living like that for so long that you just accept it. But I wonder if there's something inside of you that will say, no, I'm not going to be a slave anymore. I'm not going to struggle and just endure and just have the worst of the worst, but I'm believing God to provide for me and to move me to the next level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the seventh year. It's time for change. You're at the banks of the Jordan, and the question is, are you content as a servant? Are you content in the wilderness? Time to step up and expect good things from God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For the promises of God in him are yea, means yes, and in him, amen. Everybody say amen. Unto the glory of God by us. I heard somebody preaching along the scripture, and they said, you know what? The yes, we can all agree on, because we know the promises of God are good. Yes, they're positive. But he says they're also amen. And we know that amen means, be it unto me, so be it unto me. God's promises are good, but they require an amen. God's promises are good, but they require someone to say, Lord, be it unto me as you have stated and you have promised. Be it unto me. I receive it. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to mix faith with it. See, the promises of God are real. God said, I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless your finances. I'm going to bless you on the workplace. I'm going to bless you with health in your body. But I want somebody to respond to God and say, amen, be it unto me as unto you. You've got to mix faith with the word of God. And the way you mix faith is say, be it unto me. It's not enough for the promises to be there. You've got to believe them. You've got to accept them. And you've got to speak them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to be used of God. I'm going to be a success. I'm not going to stay addicted. I'm not going to stay in my current condition. I'm not going to continue struggling with these issues that I've been struggling with because today is the day when the chains fall off. This is the year of a new season in my life. The chains are falling off. And I've decided I'm not going to be content to be a slave. I'm not going to be content to be under the thumb of the enemy. But I'm going to stand up and be everything that God has called me to be. Let's stand to our feet right now. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Why don't you lift up your hands and praise the Lord for his promises right now. Hallelujah. Come on, use your voice to praise God for His promises right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. The promises of the Lord are yea and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I accept, I believe. I take hold of your promises, Lord God. I want to be everything that you promised that I could be, Lord Jesus. I want to be a child of God. I want to be an overcomer. I want to be victorious, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You may be wondering, how does this happen? How, how can God fix the situation? How can God provide for me? I don't see the answers. I added all the numbers together. I, don't figure out, I can't figure out how it's going to happen. The answer to the question of how is one word. Supernatural. Supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God that has all power in heaven and in earth. Nothing is too hard for my God. Maybe saying, preacher, I like all this preaching about money and so forth and God's provision, but I got some issues in my life that I got to work through. I got an alcohol problem. I'm struggling with drugs, prescription drugs. I got these issues that I'm fighting with. And I'm trying to obey God, but I want to do right, and I know I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I cannot get the victory in them. I understand that there's a delay happening. God's plan for my life has been put on hold now for months and now for years. Here I am just sitting in, in my current condition and getting depressed and wondering if things are ever going to change. But I'm going to tell you right now that God's deliverance for your life is going to be supernatural. It's going to be supernatural. You've got to believe, believe, believe. You've got to believe that you're coming up from where you are. You've got to believe that God's going to give you the power over that addiction. Come on, I'm trying to speak faith to your heart. But pastor, I got a lack of discipline in my life. That I, I can't keep a job and I can't get to work on time. Can't get to church on time. I got this problem. I got this issue in my life, and, and 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 I don't know what to do. God can give you the power to have discipline if you make up your mind. I'm getting up from where I am. But as long as you have wilderness mentality, as long as you have the mentality of a slave, you're going to keep acting like a slave. You're going to keep acting like that. But when you get the right mindset that says, I'm not going to stay like this. I'm not going to stay in this condition. But God's got a victory for me. God's got a revival for me. God's got a miracle for me. And wake up every day and say, today is the day that the Lord has made. I'm a child of God. I've got His favor and His blessing on my life. I want to be everything that God's called me to be. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus, supernatural power. Supernatural power. In just a moment, we're going to open up this altar to respond to the word of the Lord, to apply this word of faith to our lives. And I encourage you to come forward. We're going to pray with one another. Grab the hand of the person next to you. We're going to come talk to the Lord Jesus for a few minutes. Some people here today need the chains of the enemy to fall off. I believe it's going to happen supernaturally through the power of God. Some people need God to reroute their thinking and begin to expect and believe for great things. Uh, Come on, that's it. In Jesus' name, let's begin to move forward right now. In the name of the Lord, as she begins to sing and we praise the Lord together. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing. It's coming my way. 
continue praying for just another minute or two here. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is ministering in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. We want to let the Holy Ghost continue to move. Brother Carlo, Brother Carlo, I'd like for... Hallelujah. Brother Carlo, I'd like for you to come forward. We want to have prayer with you right now. Amen. I want those of you that are praying, let's continue praying. Let's let the Holy Ghost do what it is doing. Don't stop now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'd like for uh, several of the men of the church, if you could come pray with Brother Carlo. We're going to have a special prayer with him right now. And ladies, come pray as well. It's been two years uh, since Brother Carlo lost his wife. And uh, he's going to bless the church today with a, a meal of Armenian food a little bit later. And, uh, but right now we want to have a special prayer for him in uh, memory and honor of his wife. We want to pray for him that God will be with him. And uh, he's remembering his wife right now. Let's pray for the family and everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that are continue praying, let's continue praying. Let's let the Holy Ghost move and linger for another minute or two right now.
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to speak one more word before we have prayer and we're dismissed. Is uh, I'm really thankful for the Lord's blessings in my life. And uh, uh, this this year has been an awesome year for, for me and my wife personally. And this should matter to you because the Bible says that it, um, that the anointing fell from the head down to the shoulders and the garments of, of uh, Aaron. And so as spiritual headship or spiritual leadership in your life as pastor, when God blesses headship, it flows down to the body as well. And so awesome, awesome year for my wife and I in that we have really wanted to own a home. And God blessed us and enabled us this year to own a home. And, and we're so thankful to the Lord for that. And, uh, I remember uh, talking to people back in, in my home territory, told them how much houses cost. And uh, my dad said, man, you'll never be able to own a home out there. I said, skinny goat. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But, uh, I mean, it was basically an impossible situation. But God worked a miracle. And uh, some of you know the story that we were provided with uh, over $200,000 worth of a, a grant. Uh, that that uh, was given to us to use for 30 years to, to live in that home. And uh, I'm so thankful for God's blessings and, and what He did for us. But the point that I want to make to you is you've got to expect and believe that good things are going to happen for you. Brother Steele was my realtor. He did an awesome job. But he knows as well as I know that we had to overcome some some uh, some issues along the way. Uh, but uh, I was determined, you know, that uh, this is going to happen. And I was believing that it was going to happen. And, and today it's a done deal. And I'm thankful to the Lord for it. I'm thankful to God for it. But I could very easily have just said, you know, it's never going to happen. I just hang it up, forget about it. But you need to expect and you need to believe and be determined that God's blessings are coming your way. I mean, you got to, I'm not saying just lay in bed all day and God's going to throw blessings in your, on, on, next, to the, next to you on the mattress. You've got to get up and be everything God called you to be and do the best that you can. Purport yourself as a winner, as a victor. And whatever you do, do your very best. Amen. If you have a job that's not very prestigious, be the best one at the workplace. Arrive early, on time, early or on time at the latest. Work hard all day. Amen. Make it to where your boss says, man, that's the best employee I've ever had. Amen. I'm talking about... If you want God's favor and God's blessings to unfold in your life, you've got to expect them. And that's how you expect them. How are you going to be made ruler over great things when you're not faithful over small things? Amen. It's a principle in the Word of God. Just be disciplined. And the way you do that is get out of that mentality of this is all I'm going to ever be. You're going to be something more. And in order for you to be something more, you've got to be the best at what you are now. Praise the Lord. And God will move you up. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. We're going to say a word of prayer. Um, I'm not sure if we go downstairs or outside. Downstairs, uh, there's a, it's provided a, a meal for us, and it's going to be great. And a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we had a Korean dinner, and that was awesome and a lot of fun. And today, I believe it's an Armenian food. Is that correct? Armenian food. And so some of you get to try some things that you've never tried before, and this has been a lot of fun and really, really awesome. And this is in memory of uh, 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 Brother Carlos' uh, wife, late wife. And uh, so we're going to say a word of prayer to bless the food. And you're going to be dismissed in Jesus' name. Walk out of here knowing who you are. You're a child of the King. You're a child of God.
And God's blessings are flowing into my life. God's blessings are going to flow into your life. Just expect it and believe it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, dear God, for all that you've done for us and all that you've given to us. Jesus, we pray that you have blessed this food that's been provided to us, for us. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Carlo's sacrifice to make this possible. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you bless every bite, every person, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord, let us come back here to the house of the Lord full of joy, full of expectation, full of testimonies of how God's will has been unfolded in our life. Thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you. 